This is HPR episode 2781 entitled HPR Community News for March 2019 and is part of the series HPR Community News. It is hosted by HPR volunteers and is about 59 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is HPR volunteers talk about shows released and comments posted in March 2019. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Hi everybody, my name is Ken Fallon and you're listening to another exciting episode of Hacker Public Radio. Today this is Community News for March 2019 and joining me tonight is... Hello, I'm Yannick, the French guy from Switzerland. Yeah, and my name is Jerome Betten and I'm from the Netherlands. Hi. Um, Unfortunately, Dave won't be joining us tonight um, and actually um, he's decided to step away from the show for... uh, step away from the show um so um we will continue on about that there'll be more on the mailing list and i'll talk uh, more about what's happened uh, in any other business later on so for those of you joining hpr is a community podcast um where we talk about uh, where the shows are contributed by members of the community like ourselves and um the community news show we go over the shows that were recorded in the last month so, starting off, without further ado, I think, Jeroen, you need to be other places later on today. So, um, the first show was, uh, What is VNF by JWP? Yep. Uh, mm. Yeah. Uh, yep. Very technical, a little bit over my head, uh, but uh, still, uh, inter- it's interesting to learn new stuff, and that's uh, that's the heart of HPR, I think. Yeah, I think it does to networking what Docker containers does to uh, the the fundamental shift for networking going away from physical switches to the network being something that you uh, you can configure programmatically is uh, is basically what it was about. Expect to see a lot more of this in the future. Yeah, you said yes. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. It's uh, I'm I'm still clicking away. Yeah, it's a software-defined, um, not software-defined radio, software-defined networking, of course. Yeah, SDN. So VNF is probably something that that is uh, something that that uh, I should think of in the neighborhood of uh, SDN. Then probably I see it was um, a topic from the Open Networking Conference in Amsterdam. I didn't attend. Uh, I didn't even have time to listen to. Uh, to this podcast uh, so um, um, the floor is yours okay it's a good one to catch up on definitely uh, virtual network functions are virtualized tasks formally carried out by proprietary dedicated hardware vnfs moves individual network functions out of dedicated hardware devices into software that runs on commodity hardware there you go so the following day we had yep. uh, the community news and there was one comment on that show yes should i read it Please, yeah. So Mike Mike Ray says, no, no, no. Uh, this is likely to be an accessibility nightmare and might well render it impossible for blind participants like me to read the notes at all. I think it's about embedding, uh, yeah, media embedded show notes. I admit I rarely consult, consult the notes except for shows with a strong hacker twist, like the shows about XSD or Dave's Bash series for, of shows. Anything which is likely to have links such as links to GitHub repositories or fragments of code I might like to copy and paste and fill it about with. I can't imagine that other people who refer to shows no, to show notes for clicking uh, on links will be help, helped by embedding text into media files either. And while on the subject, I have not, not seen this yet on HPR, I think, but when, when anybody includes the output from command line interface stuff in show notes, 
posting screenshots of console or terminal output also makes it impossible for me to access the text. Keep the show notes as separate text, please, and don't <coughs> sorry, and don't embed them into media. If you do, maybe we can have them as both. Yes, good idea. Actually, I should add that to the um, the general information page uh, about stuff to consider. Yeah, I'll do that. Normally, Dave would uh, do this sort of thing. So, um, unfortunately, I'll need to do it myself from now on. One second. Okay, through the wonders of truncate silence, you won't be hearing that. <laughs> um, the following day, what you really are. Lost in Bronx look back, looks back at his early days of gaming. And there was one comment to this. Uh, Turutoto says, oh, wow. This was way deeper episodes than I expected after listening uh, for a couple of minutes. Really great, albeit sad at the same time, just like live show. Reminds me time of time when I started role-playing games and how I, as a dungeon master, couldn't bring myself to actually get players killed, but had to anyway always come up with some way to save them. Players had fun, but the challenge wasn't really there. So this... uh, did you hear that this one, you ruined or yeah. Uh... yeah, 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 yeah. This yeah, was yeah, uh... this is typical of uh, Lost in Bronx and why I always approach his stuff with care because uh, even his Star Drifter series, it can be it can go from the comic right to the existential dread, um, and you, you never know which way he's gonna go. I was walking from the bus in Skipper Reich into work. And I was just stopped, and uh, I was crying, <laughs> listening to the show. I was going, "Oh my god, thank you very much." But uh, I think um, Tour de Toto nails it there in his in, yeah. in his uh, comments. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So you work in uh, in the Netherlands, right? At Skip Allrijk, okay? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so uh, and and you're crying in the Netherlands as well, right? Yes, it's a very Dutch thing to do. We're 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 comfortable with her masculinity. Really- <laughs> <laughs> There's no denying that. Oh, we're a sad bunch, that's for sure. <laughs> I choose to be one of you. I chose to be one of you. Wilders was just born here. <laughs> okay, so just continue, and I'll, 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 I'll keep on laughing without my mic on. <laughs> Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate that. <laughs> Deep Keep explains SPF records, and this one threw me for a twist because the show was contributed by Plateau, but basically he just read out uh, Deep Keep's uh, gopher post on gopher of all things, on how uh, SPF records work. Yeah. And Beasy said, uh, thanks for the help. I used this episode to help me understand why some of my mails uh, was ending up in people's spam boxes. I added the SPF records, and now all is well. Thanks. And Paul B, was it Paul B or Paul E B? Oh, I don't know. Uh, said, great explanation. It's been a while since I set up my email server with SPF, DKIM, and DMRC, and I'm pretty sure with a lot, lots of things with <laughs> the letters in them. Uh, since I'm about to, ma- to migrate it to another server, this has been a valuable reminder of what SPF is about. I also think it is much clearer than every guide I read at the, same- at the time I had to set it up. Well written by Deep Geek and well read and extended by Klaatu. Thank you too. Oh, this is a this is actually great stuff. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm lagging behind in in uh, my. Uh my podcast listening but this is definitely something that i uh, should listen to yes yeah, and yeah. i won't get old either no and the, the, the spf record is uh is, is really simple there's a, there's a lot of um spf record generator online and that's absolutely something you need to have on your um, mail server that if yeah. there's only one thing you need that's that's the SP, spf yeah. record exactly i have my own web server web and mail server and uh i know i should attend and to the chore of setting up SPF. I even don't know what it is yet, but um, clearly I'm going to do the podcast, listen to it, and then uh, set it up in probably a few minutes or something. Yep, cool. Uh, it has drastically, I know the, my mail provider uses it, and it's drastically reduced the amount of spam coming in. 
Yeah, yeah. It it uh, it allows your own mail to not end up in the spam box, and it allows the spammers to not use your server as a, a gateway. Yeah, excellent, Ideal. excellent. And it basically uses uh, so the person receiving the mail checks the DNS record for this record, and then this DNS record will say who is who is and who isn't allowed to send you mail. Basically, very very clever. Yeah. That's it. That's that's uh, exactly that. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah. Steve okay, says. Thanks. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I just say, said thanks. That's all. No, no problem. Uh, personal password algorithms by Kalatu <clears throat> from uh, this was uh, part of Deep Geeks Tattoos and Lost and Wrong series uh, about um, basically coming up with a memorable password that you can um, that you yeah. can use. Not a hundred percent sure. I agree with it, but it's an interesting topic of discussion. Way, yeah. Yeah. It's one way of, uh, of generating passwords. Uh, Steve says, La Less Pass. There is an open source project called Less Pass that is trying to solve password management problem in much the same way as you are describing. Passwords are generated in a deterministic and algorithmic way using a master password. Some known values related to the site and some cryptography. There are two challenges that I see to this concept. The first one that you made reference to is how do you write an algorithm that will generate a password which is acceptable to the policies of any site? And the second is how do you deal with sites that insist that you change passwords from time to time? In order to do that, you uh, in order to do that, you about have to change your algorithm, which means that all the your other passwords will be broken. If these two problems can be solved, I'd be all for this type of password management. Yeah, I, I haven't heard of uh, LesPass, so I'm going to go and check that out. Yeah, I, you for me also, yeah. but it's interesting. It's an interesting thought. I'm, I'm thinking the value in this is security by obscurity, which is never a good thing. Um, and the obscurity of Klaatu doing it, admittedly he's done a podcast on it, but say he hadn't, then it would be difficult to see that there is an algorithm. However, if lots of people start using this le- less pass concept, then you're looking for an algorithm and then you're looking for a way to break that algorithm. So knowing this person generated is using less pass, no. has been using my website, has generated this hash, therefore I have enough information to be able to crack the code. Like, think of Enigma, for example. Yeah, I understand what you mean. But good to be thinking about it. Very good to be thinking about it. I like it. Following day, my YouTube subscriptions, number three. And this was uh, by Ahuka. Mm-hmm. Um, one on there that I already had, postmodern jukebox, which I like. He had some um, some RV shows as usual, and also had some uh, nice science shows as well. So this is interesting. I passed on some of these to a colleague in work, so that's quite nice. Yeah, I've checked uh, checked out the science ones. And uh, I, I think there's also a Dutch orchestra in there, the one to yeah. the fourth from above, the Metropole Orchestra. Yeah. So hey. uh, yeah, another one for the Dutchies. <laughs> Represent those Dutch people. Hold on while I move my clogs clogs around. <laughs> <laughs>, <laughs> he laughs, you know. I've got I'm, I'm hurrying here, and I've got. Uh, well, okay, I'm drinking Belgian beer, but okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, but if if you're a real, real Dutch guy, of course you drink Belgian beer, because let's face it, they make better beers. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> what can I say? Um, the following day, disk enumeration on Linux, which uh, thankfully I wasn't crying on the bus for this one. I was, in fact, <laughs> re- rewinding. And uh, it's going, I, uh, yeah, okay, I knew about LS dev. SD asterisk. Um, then FDisk list, yeah. And yeah, then gotta uh, be very, very, very careful with FDisk because you can you can actually destroy oh, yes. the system. Yes, very, very. very. UDisk though, had not come across. Very interesting, and also that you're able to mount as a regular user, kind of cool. 
U-Discs. Ok, I didn't know. Worth checking out. Mm -hmm. Lots of comments on this episode. So, um, yeah, do so you want to re read out some? Yeah. Okay. So, Joel D commented uh, on this episode. He said, uh, the letters C and F. Klatu mentioned he wasn't sure what the F in F-Disc stood for. I had always been positive it stood for format because DOS had an FDisk command and that was pretty much its main use. However, I looked it up just now and turns out I was wrong. It stands for fixed as in fixed disk setup program. He also seemed unsure of the reason why the main hard disk is usually C in Windows machines. PCs would originally boot off the floppy drive, which was always A. And for convenience, a second floppy drive was often added and it was always B. So the hard di drives started with C. I don't think there's any technical reason A and B haven't been reclaimed, but when I read A column or B column in a path, I still think floppy disk. At any rate, the whole, sh the whole scheme, is it scheme or shame? Scheme. Let's go with scheme. scheme. Yeah. The whole scheme is sad and dumb. Yeah, and to think that uh, it, it's not DOS who came up with A, B, and C letters, but it's uh, CPM yeah. who started that. Yes, I was looking that up on uh, Computer yeah. File right now. I saw a video on that. The good old times of yeah. CPM. What can I say? I'm getting really old. You're oh. you're just more uh, more experienced. <laughs> the, uh, the yeah, you can't re reuse A and B because uh, people use them. There are still people with floppy dives and. Uh, Using AMB, I guarantee you there are. And I'm pretty sure 99% of the software on Windows would crash. Yeah, there, there, <laughs> there would be many reasons not to uh, not to reassign them now. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, although C you, you can you can go into Windows now and reassign the drive letters. Yeah, so you, you can. You, you um, could reassign A and B if you wanted, but uh, you could you could do that for a, for for a long time now. But yeah. but I'm pretty sure that C column backslash is hard-coded in many, many software. Absolutely. Uh, Tlatu replies, Thank you for the info, Joel. I guess I could have looked up FDisk. Thanks for overlooking my laziness. Very enlightening about the C drive. I can respect extreme backward compatibility, so I don't mind that they don't reclaim A or B. That said, the scheme is pretty stupid. I'm surprised it stuck around, but I guess once they'd made the decision, they just figured it was too late to change. It seemed the more I learned about historical Microsoft, the more I feel like it was started with no prior research. But then again, maybe I'm biased because we live in an open source world. After all, maybe back in the early 80s, you couldn't just call up Bell Labs and ask if the way you're programming disk detection made sense or not. Well, there's, there's, there's one thing I would like to to um, uh, to re respond to, because um, uh, the, 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 they mentioned that uh, the, the more they learn about the historical Microsoft, the more I feel like it was started with no prior research. And although, don't get me wrong, I'm not a fan of that company, and they've done some uh, not so nice things in the past regarding open source and standards, but uh, uh, in the early days, um this this bill gates guy that we all know and probably don't love um he was working at um what was he working on uh, let me think some i believe it, it it was he was doing assembler on a mainframe to uh program the his his basic interpreter so um in in a way he he knew what he was doing and I think uh, they see now that a lot of the code was taken from uh, CPM. So if that's what CPM was doing with the drive letters, then it's it would be expected to be that. So you would... Yeah, and there's this classical story why not every PC has been equipped with CPM ever since. And that's simply because at that time, the CPM was the one operating system to use for small computer systems and IBM was going to visit him to discuss whether or not that he would he would sell them a license to put it into their net, to be released PC personal computer the 5250 I believe um, and, or the 5051 or anything whatever some number and uh, he decided that day that he wanted to go fishing so he went out of his house and they came to a front door and there was nobody home and they really got pissed off 
And they started looking around if there's anybody who had an operating system. And this Bill Gates guy, who didn't have an operating system, said, oh, yeah, sure, I have one. I will demo it in a few uh, weeks. And, and then start scrambling for an operating system and found QDOS from some embedded software de uh, developer. And, and he, he, supply, he licensed it. Uh, he bought it all, all stuck in a lock and barrel. He bought it for, I believe, $50,000. And after that, made a bundle, sending it and licensing it to IBM. But if the, the guy from CPM hadn't gone fishing, there wouldn't have been an MS-DOS. Everybody would be using CPM. Wow, that's, uh, that's really interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a true story. Absolutely true. But anyway, like I said before, I have to leave. Um, next time, I'll try to um, uh, definitely uh, stay here for the, for the whole duration. No worries. <coughs> and as you're leaving, it's a good time to introduce... Joe, Joe has joined the call. Say hello, Joe. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Joe. Not too bad. How are you? Where are you calling us today from? Oh, I'm in Texas. I'm doing pretty good. It's a little chilly here. What time of the day is it? Hmm? What time is it over there? Uh, it's about 1.20. Cool. Okay, we're, uh, I'll put you a, li a link in the show notes to what, where, we're, uh, where we're at. And if you want, just jump on in. Okay. Thank you. There was a third comment on Katu's episode. Go ahead, over. By Hauka. Hauka's uh, uh, in, uh, titled this comment, All Drive Letters, and he said, Klaatu, remember that inertia is the most powerful force of, in the universe. Yeah, very much. <laughs> Nothing as permanent as a temporary solution. And again, Deja Vu and other paperless document formats by Tlatu, who did a remarkable amount of shows this month. Yeah, should we, maybe we should rename the podcast Tlatu Public Radio. <laughs> yeah, very close to it, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is good, but it also means it's bad, because it means uh, that the build-up is down to one host, so other people should be submitting shows where possible. Um, although, that said, I like his shows, so that's uh, always a... Always a difficult balance. Never heard of Deja Vu, to be honest. And uh, it's a more open format for distributing scanned documents, etc. And um, I'd never heard of it, but uh was interesting all the same to see how you would put stuff together. Any yeah. thoughts? Um, I I had heard of it, but never I have never used it. So maybe this will uh, push me towards uh, using it a little bit more. And no comments on this episode. Nope. Um, so the following day, we had writing web game in Haskell, planetary uh, statuses. Uh, Turo Toto describes the system for recording planet statuses in their game. And this is beginning to... Uh, I'm... I'm as I'm watching, re listening to his episode. I also am reading along because I couldn't follow it otherwise. And I think Pascal seems to be a very visual language. At least it it seems with arrow signs and dollar signs and stuff. So it makes a lot more sense if you do follow along with the short notes. Yeah. And, and two, yeah, two comments uh, on this episode. Klaatu says a gog and a ghast. This was just so cool. The world-building part makes me want to write a script to generate random solar systems with unique planets and constellations. I love this project. Keep going. That's the sort of comment you want to get on the yeah. show. And yeah. from Plateau, no less. Yeah, and Tutor uh, to, to, to rep, uh, replied, yes, this made my wick. Thanks, Klaatu. This really made my wick. I tried to work on the game at least a little bit every day, but sometimes progress feels super slow. I do like building mechanisms that mimic places and their inhabitants and hopefully eventually allow emergent stories to pop up. Until that day, it's slow work of adding one more cog to the machinery. It is giving me a, a massive insight into uh, the thought process behind making one of these games that you just go... You know, you download and you go, yeah, yeah, couldn't be arsed, and then you delete it just straight away. It's just the amount yeah. of work going into it is amazing. Keep keep up the good work and continue to post shows about it, please. A quick review of somebody who's got a major addiction problem. This is NY Bill reviews yet another inexpensive multimeter. Yes, Didn't what have can a show I say? Last month on a multimeter. That's what I'm saying. The man has a problem, and you know, I think we need to arrange an intervention over at his house. 
<laughs> yeah, he said he's like, like he, yeah, he has like, I, I don't know, it was, it was like 10 of them or something like that. I don't oh, know. oh, or more. He's done, uh, yeah. uh, he's done a good few shows already on multimeters here. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, I do, I do admit, uh, I like, uh, reviewing multimeters and, uh, and I like his uh, reviews of said multimeters. I only have one multimeter, and I barely know how to use it. <laughs> well, I've uh, to be said for a good multimeter. Yeah, yeah. Do you have recommendations? End up using one at least every weekend. Do you have your own favorite? No, I don't. Okay, the free one. <laughs> yeah, good answer. So the following day, we had navigating the maze of RPG books by Tattoo Tabletop Gaming, and basically how the terminology needed in order to get your first RPG book. And this, I felt, was useful insofar as you walk into a shop dedicated to gaming. It explains where you should go first to tell you exactly what what to buy. Number one, yeah. get the rule book. So this was uh, an episode that is obvious in hindsight, but yes. Yeah, yeah because I mean, j- let's just talk about uh, advanced dungeon. Oh, well, is it? It's called Dungeon and Dragons now. I think they dropped the advanced. Uh, but there's like half a million books about this game, and really, what what Kletu said is 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 right. You only need one. You know, you only need the the rule book. Everything else. If you're only a player, everything else is on the on the dungeon master. That's uh, right. And even but, most rule books say, like in the beginning somewhere, this is just a guideline. Do what you yeah. want. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the the heart of role playing games. Do what you want, as long as everybody does the same thing and the dungeon master is okay with that. Am I the only one on this network who has never played a a role playing game? My Probably. guess would be yes. <laughs> Right, okay, there goes all my street cred. Uh, <laughs> I too will be leaving HPR at the end of the month. <laughs> okay, the following day we have Embedding. Deja vu all over again. <laughs> yes, and Tattoo embedding hidden text in Deja vu. I wonder is he uh, working, you know, uh, secretly some sort of spy for a foreign government and is using HPR to smuggle his. Uh, his illicit messages out of uh, wherever he happens to be. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, problem this month is not a good time to be mentioning that in relation to what happened in uh, New Zealand. So uh, our thoughts and the goes out to everybody over there. Anyway, um, yes, this is uh, how to put in uh, hidden text into Deja Vu files. Yeah, Um Useful, useful techniques. Uh, as we said earlier, I have not used Deja Vu uh, yet. But uh, the more Klaatu talks about that, the more I think it's a nice uh, container. Yeah. I'm sure somebody will someday come up to me and ask me about it. And I will be able to point them, oh, yeah, you need to install this and do that. And then I will look cool. And people will think I have street cred when everybody knows I don't. <laughs> point them to HPR and uh, have them subscribe. Exactly. This is uh, Tony doing what Tony does best, going through the software on his Linux Mint machine. Um, cups, departed document viewer. I use OCK. Uh, oh, I'm actually expecting Tony to be on here in a little while. Oh, cool. I use o- Ocular. Yeah, he's with me on the Mintcast. Very cool. Ah, yes, you're coming on here doing your advertising. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that wasn't the point. You know, I just saw that you guys were on and figured I'd see what you were talking about. I'm sorry, I didn't catch the name of your podcast. Mintcast. Mintcast. Oh, okay. (laughs) Should I say it like 15 more times? Yeah. (laughs) I'll stop there again. (laughs) Uh, The Mintcast. Shall I put the link in the show notes? The Mintcast. Okay, sorry. Where they review various different types of mint foxes. Yes, <laughs> that is correct. So there were yeah, no I, comments on that one, were there? No, okay. I pretty much have uh, all those software on my, my machine too. Yeah, exactly. No harm to say it, though. Um, this one was by... Uh, oh, we never introduced the new host. That's what happens now. Oh. Uh, let's introduce the new see, host. See what we? happens when yeah. you're missing with someone. 
Jeez, where are we going to go now? Okay, uh, new welcome, new host, <laughs> Floyd C. Uh, Pointer, uh, Alden P. and Minix. Sorry for butchering your names. This is absolutely terrible of me. I will need to get used to doing it myself again. And welcome to the family. Yes, indeed. I hope you stay around, cause after that, <laughs> after that mess. Oh God. Well, didn't you tell them that once you're in the family, you can't leave? Yes. You can't leave. This was about lead-acid batteries, batteries in general, and modern uses of said. I would not have not having a car anyway, as I keep saying. Um, this was uh, was a good discussion on the use of car of what you need to do to keep your batteries in good health yeah and we already said that in in previous uh, community shows but it's it's a subject i don't have any interest in yet i was listening to the show very very carefully because it was very well uh very well uh, recorded very well uh, said so yeah um uh, Thank you very much uh, for this uh, for this podcast. I now have uh, a little bit of knowledge about uh, car batteries. The thing is, I don't have a car, but I have reason to be wanting to store car batteries, lead acid batteries, around for long term emergency storage, for example. So this is always good to know. It's even more appropriate this because having I don't have the car, so my only option would be a smart charger. Um, Twelve volt batteries and inverters. Yeah, that sort of thing. I don't know. I just have this, uh, for some reason, living nine meters below sea level. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> do, you, do you mean do you mean your battery charger would be smarter than you? Yeah, I put it in a life jacket and my battery charger is waving down at me. Hey, I'm safe. Um, anyway, Toro Toto says, good to know. This is was sure to come in handy. We're driving only short distances with a car and while it hasn't yet damage the battery, I suspect it will eventually do do that. I will have a look at the type of battery and see if a smart charger would be a good idea. Thanks for the information. I wouldn't have learned this otherwise, I think. Nailed it. Absolutely perfect comments. Thank yeah. you very much. And uh, NYB posted also a comment. Good info. Nice job, man. I never knew about the different charging levels for different types of vehicle batteries. I always just bought one that fit and threw it in. I'll be more careful next time. And this is NY Bill, who's got the got the electronics problems. So yeah. <laughs> the following day, we had uh, also new host Alden Alden. How would you pronounce that? Do you think? Hmm. Alden I'll, P. I'll, yeah. Yeah. Like that. Okay. Let's do that. Alden P. A summary of things I like about. CJDNS and Yagridilasil and the places I think they could approve. Neither I think it's of Yggdrasil. You sure? Yeah, I'm pretty Say sure. Say that again? Yggdrasil. Do you know about these topics? Absolutely not. <laughs> but the name, the name is, is the, is something I remember for somewhere, from somewhere. Okay, you can read the first comment then, Mr. Smarty Pants. <laughs> Okay. Uh, fascinating by Tutorto. Uh, I hadn't even heard of CJDNS or Yggdrasil before, so I learned some. I learned something today, and I'm not even done with morning coffee. I would love to hear more on what one could do with mesh networks. Broad topic, I know. Yes, no reason not to do a series. Brian in Ohio says, "More shows, great show. I hope you do more podcasts on any topic you mention in the show." Don't hesitate to give detail. Absolutely agree. And we have the whole series concept available. Next one. Next one. Um, uh, by Norist. Uh, entitled Gentoo. I have not used Gentoo on well over 10 years. Could you do a show about why uh, you are using Gentoo and how it compares to Debian, Ubuntu, Fedora? You expressed some concern about your microphone, but there was no problem with your audio, loud and clear. And Gavthres says, IPv6 end-to-end encryption. Interesting. I think that should be done in a commander data voice. Interesting. 
I'm <laughs> right now learning how to use WireGuard for end-to-end -end encryption. I'm wondering how it works in IPv6. Different approach, but similar goal. So, very popular episode right there. Yeah, and for your information, Yggdrasil is an immense mythical tree that plays a central role in North, com North Cosmology, where it is connected to nine worlds. There you go. Thank Good you, Wikipedia. That will no doubt come in useful. And in this instance, it's an end-to-end -end encrypted IPv6 network. Which is also good to know, and that should come in useful at the next pub cruise I'm at. Now, Ahuka wanting us to buy an RV and head across the States. I can see it now. <laughs> yeah, I think he's secretly working for the, uh, the, the an, RV, an RV consortium. Yeah. Or Big like RV, that, yeah. yeah, I can see it, yeah. Yeah, uh, he he has one of my favorite channels on there. CGP Gray, absolutely brilliant. The number of tickets and work that I have pasted his videos into is uh, getting embarrassing at this point. So yes, another yeah. uh, another good subscription. If you're looking for some good videos, have a browse through them. I, I really yeah. like this format as well. I, I just click on all of them and then have a quick look at the video things and think, hey, well, do I do I want to subscribe or not? The Doctor Who channel is, of course, one of the those you cannot escape. <laughs> Hard for me to watch that channel because I traditionally watch or have watched as a child Doctor Who from behind the couch. So, yes. <laughs> you mean back when it was scary? Well, back when my brothers were watching it and I was a kid. It's been scary. So the following day, subplots in storytelling... Random Elements of Storytelling by Lost in Bronx. Yeah. And this was about subplots. And we've got a good uh, comment by Operator who says, Fun stuff. Long-time listener, almost first-time commenter. I want to say I always enjoyed your podcast. I don't read books or play Dungeons & Dragons, but I do watch a fair amount of TV and movies. You can hear the amount of passion and what you're ex in what you're explaining, I personally feel almost smarter when I can go back and understand why a story I remember was great or horrible. Now, yeah, I agree one hundred percent with that. I mean, absolutely. each each time it's uh, it's something when you when you listen to to the show, you say, mm, yeah, that's true. But uh, until you you realize you you listen to the podcast, you don't realize it, but. Uh, Lost then again, as you said last time, uh, each time I watch a movie now or I read a book, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I say, uh-oh, I know what's going to happen now. <laughs> yeah, you ruined it for me. Thank you very much. But I suppose we get over that. Uh, Lost in Bronx, the man who has mastered stating the obvious that nobody ever knew. So uh, <laughs> about this one, though, he did mention that he, I think he missed one reason why you would put a subplot into a story. And that's comic relief. He didn't. Um, he didn't mention that. Quite often, uh, yeah. a story is so heavy that you just need some. You need to give the the somebody something lighthearted to not have them, you know, just to break it up a little bit. But yeah, yeah. again, has me thinking as I was wiping the tears away from my face. But uh, again, <laughs> no, not this one. This one didn't let me cry. Uh, the next one did because uh, what <laughs> on his quest for perfect laptop, Nightwise was looking for uh, for laptops to buy, and it was funny. He was talking about uh, Brussels, uh, how's it Brussels North, which is a shitty train station. It has to be admitted. <laughs> we uh, Dave and I stayed down there one t uh, the first time to Fostem, and then we thought never again. <laughs> it's just like you designed the place to be dingy just feels dingy but yes and then he goes I, I just couldn't understand the logic though that he was buying these expensive laptops and still was going there so one of his uh, so maybe he needs to do a show to explain that to us yeah so he holds us a show Beezy, Beza, do you want to uh, read Beza's comment or shall I I'll read it okay <gasps> go ahead computer requirements specification hi Nightwise Whenever we are in the market for a new computer, I think we inevitably want to get as close to the latest technology as our budget will afford. However, I think this can lead to subconscious over-specification of our requirements. 
as a way of justifying the purchase. A few years ago, I selected a very nice Sony laptop that I convinced myself was exactly what I needed to support my work. Unfortunately, an unforeseen breakdown of my car meant I had to spend roughly half my budget to get that fixed and back on the road. I still needed a new laptop, but the Sony was now out of the question. I revisited my requirements and realized that many of my must-haves were really like-to-haves. If it took a minute or two longer to rip a DVD, did it really matter? If it took a few extra seconds to open a very image-laden document, that was that really the end of the world? The world. By adopting this approach, I found I was able to purchase a Dell rather than the Sony uh, with what was left of my budget, and its relatively few shortcomings were almost immediately forgotten. That is a good comment. Although... Yeah. It is bordering on a show in itself, so I will let it go this time. <laughs> so, the following day, we had functor and adaptive in Haskell, and I thought I was hearing this wrong as he was reading the episode, but or as he was uh, telling us the episode. But he... It is... That is the name of it. I mean, I may have, I may have mispronounced it, as I am one to Functor. Do. Yeah, functor. Sounds it's a like function a, that returns a function. Sounds like a German metal band. <laughs> Could be. And the show notes definitely help here as well. Oh, yeah. Kind of cool. Comments by Bizan. He said, intuitiveness of Haskell. Is it Haskell or Haskell? There's an H. Haskell. Haskell. I've been writing software for over 30 years, but I find the syntax of Haskell anything but intuitive. In fact, <clears throat> in fact, less so than any other programming language I have looked at. Thanks to your excellent show notes, I can make sense of it. But I have to say, I would not like to have to develop a project using this language. Obviously, I am missing the point as nobody would design a language with the intention of its being difficult to use. Perhaps you could perhaps you could produce another episode addressing the question, why Haskell? An excellent episode for all that. Thanks. And while I was watching the uh, YouTube uh, series, what do you call it, Computer File, they had Brian Kiernan on, who was the developer of Unix, and he says that he tried Haskell but could never get his brain around it. So I feel like I'm in good company here. But anyway, Turototo replies, thanks and a great idea. Thank you for the comments. And episode idea. Haskell certainly is drastically different language compared to many others, and the learning curve can be steep. Sometimes I feel like I'm reading a math paper when I want to check for some feature or learn a new thing. I'll make a note and record an episode why Haskell at some point in the close future. There are quite many Haskell episodes in the queue, and I don't want Hacker Public Radio turning into Haskell Public Radio, so it might take a month or two. We have all over the summer, I was just saying that uh, we, we have some quite a few shows in the queue at the minute, but traditionally over the summer, the feed just disappears, so feel free to completely take over the summer months. Yeah, please do so. I will try myself to produce episodes this uh, summer. Alden was back with a HTTP, IPFS, and torrents. Some ramblings about how we might replace HTTP with some more robust decentralized pro uh, protocols, uh, interplanetary file system, and hypertext transfer protocol are linked in the show notes. Uh, no comments on that yet because I think it's uh, fairly recent. Yeah. Uh, that's I'll have to pick uh, that one up. Yeah, it's, it's the, I like the uh, interplanetary uh, protocol thing. If for no other reason than it's got the word interplanetary in it. So, interplanetary <laughs> file system. Yeah, yeah, I, I think someday, someday you will uh, SSH to the moon and then, yes, up to, and then up to Mars through and then VPN. That's it, my bucket list is over. Been to the moon? <laughs> no, I SSH to it. <laughs> My SBC Nextcloud installed part one, the hardware. How I built a self-enclosed Nextcloud server using a single board computer and a RAID enclosure by Minix. This is, this is 
a very nice episode. Some good yeah. links in the show to follow as well to see what he's done. I will definitely have to grab this episode. Not 100% sure how cheap it will be, but it's well, definitely yours. I was playing I was playing on my Pi this morning and having some issues getting um, Alexa installed on it, but I guess I well, could switch over to this. If you ever manage to install Alexa on your Pi, please well, send me the notes. Yeah, te- technically it's installed, but it's it, it's not executing. Well, yeah. I was going to bring bring it to um, the Mintcast, and I was going to talk about, to the guys on there about it. But um, yeah, I am trying to figure out what shows I want to put onto HBR. And I know you said you were short on shows for over the summer, so yeah, no rush on that. HBR is for stuff that doesn't fit on your own podcast. Yeah, yeah. we're. All about sharing the love here. What was that show that you had again? Oh yes, Mintcast. Uh, oh, Mintcast. <laughs> Is that dot com or dot org? Dot org. Super duper. Matter of fact, Tony's in one of the other rooms on the server. Is he stuck probably. out there? No, he's probably uh, waiting for me to come over and uh, yeah. uh, and discuss next weekend's show. Cool. Um, well, that was the end of the shows. I think. Yes. So there were some other comments on shows previously. The last one on uh, Tattoo's Ghost Script show from uh, the 19th of December last. Uh, yes, and it was a comment by Tattoo himself. Uh, he said, we are stupid. Page 19 has three tables. 2-1 through 2-3 with a summary of bonus values for race, themes, and class. I think two days and learn. Zero, use the official character sheet when building a character from for the first time. One, actually read. So, yeah, it, it was about through thoughts about RPG character building, modern RPG playstyle compared to the old school and more. Yeah, that was sure. on the Lost and Bronx Slatu commentary yeah. from episode 743. And yeah. the other one was um, in reply to Steve, who was talking about... Uh, manipulating PDFs with GS and PDF stapler. And Steve had a comment about uh, how he reduced the size of PDFs. And Tatu said, glad, uh, I helps, glad this helps, Steve. You're not the only one this episode helped. I refer back to it at least fortnightly since posting. Yes, don't be afraid to use HBR as a way to uh, remember stuff you've done. That's, uh, that's, what, we're, that's what we're here for. Yeah, that's what I've done for my reviews and uh, Git uh, workflow. When people ask me, uh, can you tell me about your Git workflow or uh, want to know? But I say, uh, go to HPR, look for yes. those episodes. Yeah, everything there. So uh, mailing list, let's go to the mailing list. Yep. And there was a proposed change to the show upload form. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Hold on. This was at the beginning of the month, so I completely have mm-hmm. forgotten about this. Yeah. So uh, Dave was going uh, there about tags for the shows, uh, whether it should be mandatory or not, and uh, because he needs to add them um, at the end. And we use these tags on this on the summary page, and we also want to make it. We're on the lookout for something HTML-wise that uh, we can make the tags more intuitive. It's not really for the HPR website originally, um, but. It is for search engines and whatever to be able to pick up what these tags were about. And maybe going forward, we will um, incorporate them more into the whole HPR thing. So there was quite an interesting discussion about that. Jill Verity, a uh, well-known name in the Floss community, says um, that it shouldn't be that difficult to come up with some tags. Um, and he also wanted uh, the default option of clean and explicit to be set so that it forced the user to um, make a choice. Yeah, I agree. I forgot to clean the flag on one of my episodes. Okay, and then um, let's see. uh, Proposed changes, I commented, uh, as I do. (laughs) Um, Am I... Oh, yeah, as a... HPR volunteer, I wanted to... Uh, okay, um, my concern as somebody who, you know, posts these things is, and I need to kind of 
representing the community here, is that um, my risk of making more mandatory fields on the upload form is increasing the barrier. Now, that's probably, you know, it's probably not that much of a topic. Um, so my comment on the tags is we have old, new and old hosts alike using the same string for the summary show as they have for uh, the show notes field. So there's, there is a risk that the tags will be superfluous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, yeah, and the whole thing about the explicit tag is if that is set incorrectly. Uh, we set it by default to explicit because um, if it's set to clean by accident and it slips out, then the they side effect of that is that HPR as a whole um gets delisted from iTunes or Apple or wherever else we we put it so we set it there explicitly the re the logic behind setting it to explicit was to force people to uh, think about it and of all the tags that uh during the upload form you can guarantee that the intro and outro might be set weird or people have not put in show notes but clean and clean is more or less always set um it's only been on some rare occasions that uh i've had to reset clean um and it's a bigger job to go from explicit to clean in fact no harm has been done really somebody has all the only harm that has been done is that somebody who's only listening to the clean feed has missed your show Whereas if it goes the other way around, then the risk to HPR's community is that it gets delisted. So, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, but th that said, what we could do is um, set it to a mandatory field, so default explicit and um, that it defaults to explicit by default. However, in your own personal profile, you can set it that when you're uploading shows, we will check your personal profile. And if you always send in clean shows and you select that on your personal profile, then we will set the default for you from then on to be clean. So we can do that. So that might be yeah. a solution for people. Um, let me see if there was any other comments on that topic. Some comments about fix me tags. Um, Kevin O'Brien says, yeah, he thinks big deal, make it mandatory for a tag or two. Um, Lost in Bronx wholeheartedly endorsed the idea of clean explicit flags and the tags um, Michael Spannerbauer external tags rather than something we maintain ourselves that has me uh, thinking um, he wants to be able to pick existing ones um, and Dave has given him a link to existing ones but as I explained we're uh, we don't use JavaScript so it's difficult to pre-populate existing yeah. ones for people and the problem with ex existing ones is that either you, f you you find something that's not really what you want, but because you're lazy, you're going to you're going to pick that anyway, uh, or you you just you know pick at random and uh, hope for the best. So I, I think it's better if we have to actually think about what we're going to put in the tags. Even though yes, it's true sometimes it can end up uh, being the the only show with that tag, but. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's not a problem. Okay. If, that, if that links to, say, you're doing something about software freedom conservancy or you know some hashtag that happens to be trending at that moment, then it's trending on our site with this hashtag. So our site turns up as a result of having that hashtag. So that that is the point of it. Yeah. So so that's absolutely fine. Okay, nobody. Uh, I waited until this show so that people would hear this discussion. So if you have opinions on this, join the mailing list and respond to the thread or um, just generally join the discussion and we'll see. I have no particular objection to it. I think the universe, universal consensus is that we make tags a mandatory field and we will make um, the clean and explicit also a mandatory field, but allowing you to default to your own personal preference. Yeah, that's... Uh... I think that's the um, a, a very good idea. So any, everybody can have what they prefer. Okay. Um, then I have a request for shows. There was a thing from Dave about the community news request for shows. Mm -hmm. 
And what I'd like, uh, if you are listening to HBR and would like, you're just stuck with a topic and you would like somebody to record a show about it, then please contact the mailing list about it or send uh, a, a message to the HPR Twitter feed and we'll hear about that as well. Um, so backup of Android settings. This is a show I'd like to hear about. Uh, during the first time install of an Android phone, it's possible to restore data from a backup from an Android phone, a backup from the cloud, which they mean Google's cloud, or an iPhone device. Is there a way to backup and restore from a personally managed system so something like own cloud or whatever that you could back up your android phone to own cloud and then when you get a new phone or you have to factory reset your phone you could download your settings anyone know about that if you do or this spurs you to think about stuff or that you think i've already looked into this and there's no way to do it then that's something you can talk to us about and i would like next topic copy and paste under x uh, windows using and its desktops how copy and paste is managed on popular desktop systems like GNOME, KDE, LXQT, etc. Or even how, I don't know, random distributions like, pick one at random, Linux Mint, for instance, might go about doing that. Oh, if only there was a podcast about Linux Mint. If yes. only. <laughs> so, um, any other business? Yes. Sorry to Yannick. Um, there was a misunderstanding about Yannick's show 2740. When it was discussed in the February Community News shows, the show about Pop OS, the subject Yannick had spoken about previous edition of the podcast, it was a misunderstanding on our part that we thought he had gone against our syndication guidelines, but in fact he had not. It was merely uh, the same subject being spoken about the same person on two different podcasts. So our apologies to you, Yannick, for that. Apologies accepted. Thank you very much. <laughs> no harm's done. Uh, changes to the host page. Uh, the page for each host, which is host ID, in my case, 30, uh, which contains a list of all shows contributed by that host with the show notes, has been made more compact. You now only see the show titles, release date, jury, uh, duration series, if applicable, tags, and show summaries. Uh, clicking on the title itself will get you to the show itself. Um, a list of all hosts in alphabetical order can be found as correspondence or you can go to top home about hosts and from there clicking on the show number takes you to the page about that host it will also link you to host pages from other pages from each show so the yeah, host page is linked on each show uh, <clears throat> i think the, the host page is better like that like that because i was looking for my uh, something yeah for my shows and um the, the the Raspberry Pi one took hold the space with all the photos and, uh, yeah. and all. It's it's a lot better like that. Yeah, and it also means if we if we uh, are link if random people are linking the link directly to the show and not to a, a summary page or something else, so it's uh, your show is more concise and contained in a particular spot. Yep. Uh, Dave, thanks people for doing summaries and uh, tags. Uh, myself and my bill and Windigo sent in some tags. Uh, so there have been 32 shows uh, about that, and you can go to report missing tags. And then that brings me to the last comment, which is uh, I would like to thank Dave for um, uh, for his work here in HPR. Um, what's actually happened is we were contacted by, um, you know, that we've had uh, to move to. Um, because of our bandwidth to archive.org and we were contacted by Audible um, with a pretty good sponsorship deal actually and it means that we'll be able to pay uh, the hosting there and you know other expenses and stuff that have been coming up uh, from time to time and in discussing that um, they will be requiring that we uh, change the licenses of our shows from um, Creative Commons going forward to you can always still don't panic you can still uh, license your show creative comment but they will be um they will be um basically uh you need to read the terms and and uh terms of the ansible or the audible um show upload thing more information about this will be sent out in the in the mailing lists as well um and i know that uh, some people will be a bit annoyed about this but you know at the end of the day 
uh, there's like bills to be paid and stuff. So it's not like we're going to be getting all the money uh, associated with this. Obviously, if your show is, is uh, if you decide to release your show on Audible, then um, then you know there'll be information about how the profit sharing will be done. Uh, if there's any profits after the expenses. Um, because we're entering into that deal, you will need to contact me um, to get a non-disclosure agreement signed. Um, but it's not that complicated. So uh, I'll just need your uh, stuff like your driver's license and or, or passport or something like that. And then your bank account details. So going forward, we'll be uh, doing that. You can obviously opt out of that yourself. There'll be more information in the show notes about it. But um, basically, Dave was not... Uh, we didn't see eye to eye on how that should be done and he's decided to step down and and I'd really like to take uh, the time to thank him for all the work that he has done here on the network and um, hopefully Yannick I'll be passing all his stuff over to you so that you can take over yeah (laughs) there you go okay uh, tune in uh, tomorrow for another exciting episode of Hacker Public Radio You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.